Look at somebody and say, it's good to see you. <clears throat> now look back at them and say, it's good to see me too, all right? Hey, we're so glad that you're here. My name's Sam. I have the great privilege of being the lead pastor here at Crossroads Church. And what that means is every single week, I try to tell the greatest story ever told. Now, not because I'm some great communicator or it's even my story, but I believe this story is a story about Jesus. And Jesus is the greatest person to ever walk the face of the planet. I actually believe he's more than just a person. I believe he's God in the flesh. And so if you've ever asked the question, what is God like? You don't have to look any further than the person of Jesus. And we believe the Bible is the story about Jesus. We say this around here. We say it's all about Jesus. We wrote it on the wall if you need some help. And what that means is you're going to need a Bible to follow along. And so if you forgot your Bible, we got you covered. You can just slip up your hand and one of our ushers will get a Bible to you. And if you don't have a Bible, that's our gift to you. We pray that you take that. You read it every single day because every time you do, you get to meet with Jesus. Hey, Colby or one of you guys, could you grab this lady over here? A Bible. Thank you very much. And if you are gathered together at the Lompoc campus, we are so glad that you are joining us. Maybe you didn't realize that there's a whole gathering of people at 213 North J right now gathered together, uh, and they are um, <clears throat> with us, one church in a couple locations. Amen? Amen. So, uh, so thankful for Pastor Tyler and Becca and the whole team uh, there this morning. We are so thankful for you. How about you turn in your Bible to the book of Genesis? We've been in this series called Good News from the Start. We've been in a series for many weeks and uh, many months now, and we are in chapter 16 with many chapters to go, and it's going to take us about 27 years to get through it, <clears throat> but I know you guys are committed people. So I want you to look at chapter 16, starting in verse 1. But before I read, I get a confession. I've had a, a little bit of a episode this morning with my breathing and, and things like that. So I'm having a hard time with my voice. And I know it's just the enemy trying to stop the communication of the gospel this morning. Amen. So we, 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 you join me in prayer. I, I just want to ask God to do something uh, miraculous in, in my body and just humbly submit to you and go, I'm going to struggle through this sermon as much as I want to. Um, give you my best and do all the things. Uh, my body's not cooperating with me this morning. And so uh, I want to ask that God would do something. And no matter how this comes across, uh, however we struggle through it, that the communication of the gospel will go forward and God will do something great in the lives of people. Amen. Amen. We join me in prayer. Jesus, I just, I just thank you for a, a congregation uh, that I love them and uh, I believe they love me. And uh, this isn't about performance. This is about communicating uh, the gospel. I thank you that you'd help my voice, <clears throat> my breathing. Uh, I thank you that you would help me um, to communicate as best as I can. Whatever you desire this morning, you take our weakness and you make it perfect. Uh, it's not about our strength. It's about yours. And it's not by might nor by power, but by your spirit, says the Lord. And so we ask for your grace today. Uh, I thank you for what you've done in the hearts of people already. As people have communicated the gospel through the act of baptism, uh, their story is connected to your story. And their story is connected to every person who has entered into the waters of baptism. We thank you for what you're doing and yet to do. I thank you that heal my body, <clears throat> help my voice, help us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Thank you very much. Thank you, brother. Uh, <clears throat> now, Sarah... Abram's wife had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said to Abram, behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to her, to the voice of Sarah you can hear the imagery from Genesis, uh, the first of Genesis, and Adam listened to the voice of his wife, and Abram listened to the voice of Sarah. So after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, 
Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, as Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went <clears throat> into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarah said to Abram, may the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. My, may the Lord judge between you and, and me. But Abram said to Sarah, behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. Then Sarah dealt harshly with her. And she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarah, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I'm fleeing from my mistress, Sarah. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for the multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant, and you shall bear a son, and he shall be named Ishmael, because the Lord has listened to your affliction. He shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone, and everyone's hand against him. And he shall dwell over and against all of his kins kinsmen. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, you are a God of seeing. For she said, truly, have I seen him who looks after me? Therefore, the well was called Berlarai. It lies between Kadesh and Bred. And Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram called the name of his son, whom Hagar bore Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abraham. Will you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for who you are and who you are to us. <clears throat> we ask for your grace again. Help us in all things to be devoted to your scriptures, to put you first in all things. Let us humbly submit to your word. Let us through culture, let us through this ancient text, that we are so far removed from, help us to see you in the text and let us put our trust in you. For it's in you we have life and life more abundantly. And when you ask for your grace and everyone said, amen. <clears throat> Here is a, a particular passage that becomes um, an important passage for so many people. And it, it can be a difficult passage to kind of understand and wrap our heads around. And, and here's what you got to realize is, is that this is historical text for the nation of Israel. This is uh, a, a, a kind of traditional text for the nation of Islam. Here is a text where we find the birth of uh, essentially an entire nation, an entire tradition comes to this particular text. Ishmael is the father of Islam, the nation of Islam. This, uh, the, uh, this lineage dates back to this particular passage. Uh, I, I was watching and, and listening to uh, Islamic scholars uh, talk about Hagar, and I found it quite interesting that the text we read today about Hagar is not found in any of the Islamic texts. Tradition would tell us, and what I've gathered and learned, is, is that there's actually own, only one female named in the Quran, which is the primary text for Islam, and it's actually Miriam, or Mary, the mother of Jesus. This is fascinating, but not so surprising when you think about the culture of Islam, when, when you think about the religion of Islam, when you think about uh, the women under the rule of this religion. And then you take this prophecy from this particular text, which says that, uh, that Ishmael will, will be a wild man. And it, and it says this, his hand will be against everyone 
and everyone's hand against him, and he shall dwell over and against all of his kinsmen. See, here we have this dilemma. Uh, God tells Abraham he's going to have a son. He's going, uh, his offspring is going to outnumber the stars. And he has this, this, uh, this word from God. He's married to Sarah, and he's already uh, 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 kind of uh, uh, forgotten th- that it takes a husband and a, a wife to have children. You're welcome. <clears throat> And if you realize this, that uh, no matter the cultural narrative, it still takes a man and a woman to produce life. Great job. <laughs> Thanks, Rick. <laughs> and yet, what we've found already is that God is has chosen to deal with Abraham to give him specific words about the future, about his family, and how he's going to ultimately bless all nations and all the families of the earth will be blessed through Abraham. And and yet, we already have read the story of how Abram and Sarah fled to Egypt. And because Sarah was extremely beautiful, he lies because he's afraid of Pharaoh, who's going to take his wife for himself and kill him and take her anyway. So he goes, I'll spare my life. He's going to take her anyway. So he lies and says that Sarah's not his wife. It's actually his sister, and he refuses to lay down his life for his wife. In that particular text, we talk about how Christ is a greater Abraham. He, he lays down his life for his bride, the church. He gives himself up. And what we begin to see from that story as we go on, that the biblical text is not just full of hero stories where everybody gets it right. It's essentially, and we've talked about this, the Bible is a story about everyone else getting it wrong and one person getting it right. And that's good news for a bunch of mess ups like you and I, amen. And yet, here, here, here we are, we realize that the Bible is, is showing us the mess-ups of the man and the mess-ups of the woman. That one particular gender is not responsible. Let me, let me, let me just give you a news flash. That one particular gender out of the two are not responsible for all that is wrong with the world. I know where Pastor Rick is leading this section. Uh, But what the Bible tells us is that it begins to show us that all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory and standard of God. Men fall short, amen. It's going to be a hard one. Women fall short. It's pretty good, right? That, 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 that we all fall short and, and, and fall. That, that, that it's not that, that one of us is holding more weight and responsibility. That, that we all are equally made in the image of God. And that we all bring things to the table for good and for bad. Here's a story about Sarah who is barren, and in her affliction, she comes up with a plan. See, sometimes even our best plans become schemes when it's born out of affliction. Sometimes our best plans can become schemes when pain and affliction and and, and reputation and shame and fear sometimes will begin to plot our own course and we will justify our actions because of the weight and shame and guilt that's been done to us. Or in other words, we can think that we are victims. And if we begin to gather that mentality, hold on to that mentality, we will begin to justify any action that we see fit. And Sarah's no different. This isn't a new narrative. 
This isn't something new to our culture. This is what happens. Uh, Adam, when he, he sins against God and God says, Adam, why did you do this? And he says, it was the woman you gave me. Not my fault. It's her fault. And if we really want to get down to it, it's your fault because you gave her to me. Right, beginning to abdicate our responsibility, you begin to point blame at others. See, we can identify with Sarah. We don't, we don't point the finger. We just go, Sarah, uh, I understand you're hurting and God's given you a promise. And sometimes what will happen is we feel God has spoken to us or we have a, pro, a promise. We'll, we feel like God's called us to do something. Maybe it's a position. Maybe it's a job. Maybe we feel like it's a calling. And instead of waiting for God, if it's really of God, let me tell you, nothing can stop it. Amen. If it's really of God, nothing can stop it. And so the reality is, is he does not need your help. Amen. I mean, at the end of the day, like we go to work with our dad, but you got a plastic hammer, Joker, right? When you go to work with your dad, you, you mean you think you're doing the work, but he's the one doing the work. You get the joy of going to work with your father. That's the beauty of this relationship that he's called us into. And so what can happen though, is we begin to scheme, we begin to manipulate, we get, we begin to do ungodly things and, and we justify ungodly things because we think the ends will justify the means. We think if we scheme and we manipulate, we lie on our resume, we cheat over here, we skim here. This was supposed to be my job. This was supposed to be my position. And we will begin to do things. We point the finger at at Sarah and go, how could you not see? And we have to point the, the figure right back at ourselves, and sometimes go, how could you not see? So when we read the Bible, it, more than it reading us or, or, or reading it, it begins to read us, wouldn't you say? There's things. We, we begin to think, oh, I could accomplish this on my own. And that's exactly what Sarah does. She goes, okay, I'm going to have a child and, and God's promised, but it, it's not working out the way I thought it was going to work out. So I'm going to have my slave become the wife of my husband and bear a son. Now, here's what happens is from that day forward, what we see, God, uh, God says to Hagar in her afflictions, surely I will multitude your offspring and it will outnumber the multitudes, outnumber the stars. It will be a great multitude. But here's what's happened. What we'll read in the story is when Sarah finally receives her son, Isaac, Isaac and Ishmael have been fighting against one another since Genesis 16. You can watch it on the news every night. You can see, you can see that the prophecy of Genesis 16, that he will be a wild man and his hand will be against everyone. He's a fighter born in affliction and his hand is against everyone and everyone's hand is against him. You watch, go, man, why are they always in conflict? Because... The Bible prophesied that they would be in conflict. Why is they always fighting? Why is there no peace? Because this is the story. And you say, how did the Bible know that thousands of years ago? It's as if the writers had some help. And yet I hear people all the time say, how can you preach through books of the Bible and, and do it in a relevant way? How can you preach? Listen, friend, this is the most relevant thing on the planet. The question is, are you listening? Amen. Will you tune your hearts and lend your ears to what the text is saying? It should perk your interest that this ancient text is saying this about this man and his offspring and this nation. But see, then what can happen is we begin to take sides. You, 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 ever, you, you ever find yourself in a story watching a movie and, and you feel like you feel like you're in it? Let, let, let's just change it. Let's take it from movie. Let's take that. How, how many of you are gonna watch the Super Bowl next weekend after church? 
Have you ever noticed it? Like some people, man, they get, how many of you like sports fanatics, right? Like you just, yeah, you're just in it. Like you're going to show up in a Jersey next week, right? Like you're those people. Like I ordered my first uh, sports memorabilia. I'm going to be wearing the Brady forever shirt, you know? Wait till I preach in that, the goat. Anyways, uh, that, that was free. And, and, and yeah, some of you, like my friend, Pastor Rick Murray, man, sometimes he'll show up after a game and he'll be like, we won. And I'll be like, I didn't see you out there anywhere, bro. <laughs> what do you mean we won, right? Like you didn't play? What, what you, the Rams won, right? Like, and, and, and like we feel that, like, like we're, we're armchair quarterbacks and, and, and we kind of begin to pick sides. And then, man, people, people just are, are, are in their sports team. And, and, and they, uh, they if, if you're not careful, if you're not careful, you'll, you'll love one and you'll hate the other. How many haterades? How many is drinking the haterade? Like, you just, just hate all of it, right? It's like any team you're watching, you're not rooting for a team. You're picking which team you don't like, and you're rooting, rooting against them, <clears throat> right? So I just don't like their uniforms, right? Like I, I, I just, and see what can happen even in texts like this in our modern culture and how we're conditioned is we read the text, we choose sides, we take teams, and here's what will happen. The, Jesus says it this way. He says, when it comes to masters, when it comes to ones you look to, ones you worship, if you will, the thing you revolve your life around because the reality is, is everyone worships. The question is what? And so what will happen is you will love the one, you will hate the other. You'll cling to one and you'll despise the other. Man cannot serve two masters. And see, sometimes in the biblical text, what we will do is we will remove away the flaws of our team. Now, let's take that to politics. No, let's not do that. Uh, I just, right? Like, we will become apologists for our team. Still talking about football. <laughs> we will love the one. We will despise the other. We will cling to one. No, there's nothing good that can come out of that side. Oh, there's nothing good that can come over there. All of a sudden, we'll begin to look at teams and we'll say there's nothing that good that can come. I'm team Abraham and Sarah. And man, I'm opposed to Hagar and Ishmael. And then all of a sudden, here we go. What about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict? What about war in the Middle East? What about when I hear one side is doing one thing and I quickly close my ear to anything that might be immoral or wrong? I begin to look at someone else and go, no, 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 no. Listen, yeah, yeah, but they're on our team. See, what can happen, friends, is we can begin to have our teams. We can build our frame. We can have the things in our lives where we build a box. We have, we have, I have a, I have a box right here. And, and see, what can happen, I think it just happens. Like, imagine this is your brain. Some of you are like, well, it's got prime on it. That sounds, sounds, sounds like my brain, right? Like, let's just, let's just think about this in a way. This is, this is all, this is all the things, this is all the stuff, right? All your stuff. This is your stuff that you think about everything. And, and, and here's what will happen. Like, you'll read a book, you'll listen to a sermon, you'll read a headline, and, 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 and you're like, I, I know... And you'll, you, maybe, maybe it's like you're a Dave Ramsey guy, right? And then like anyone who brings up anything about money, you're like, I know everything about money. Like I listen to Dave Ramsey and, and debt is dumb and cash is king and the paid off home mortgage is taking the place of the BMW, the status symbol of choice. 
That's pretty good. All right. And right. And you go, man, I, I got that, man. I got, I got my, I, I got my money thing going. Like I go to crossroads church and, and Sam, I like the way that guy talks. All right. Uh, and, and, and so I got my, I got my Jesus thing. I, I got, man, I, I kind of, I, I got it now, man. I've been going to the midweek. We've been, we've been, we've been studying. We've been, I, I, I saved the world in 11 simple steps. I've been going to even exile. I got the Jesus thing going on. Let me tell you, I, I've been watching, I, I've been watching the news and I know which set, I know what, I know what side of the news is on this side. And I, I know which part of the news is on this side. I, man, I, I know about them and I know about them and, and I kind of, I kind of got it figured out. And uh, I, I don't really need to think about it anymore. I'm just going to put that away there. I've settled what I think about that. Or, or maybe, uh, maybe, it's, uh, uh, maybe it's your marriage. You, you read the five love languages, and now you know everything there is to know about love. You're like, listen, honey, the reason why we don't get along is you don't love me the way you should. <laughs> I'm gifts and acts of service. Your words mean nothing. <laughs> Right. Like, like we, we just like, we have like our stuff and, and, and we begin to, we begin to, we begin to pile it all up and, and we got, we got it and we carry it around. Don't we? And, and, and we let people know and, and they know real quick. They, they know, they know from our bumper stickers, <laughs> they know, uh, they know from our shirts and our sleeves and, uh, they, they know. They know from the stuff, they know from the podcast we listen to, but what happens, friends, and I don't know if you've seen it, what happens when, when, when your box butts up against somebody else's box, right? You're like, no, right? You, what'd you say? What'd you say, John Dominguez? What'd you say to me? Right? What do you say? Let me tell you, I'll tell you about this. You're like, listen, well, you think what about what? Let me tell you. Let me tell you, Lompoke. Let me tell you. Let me, let me tell you what I, let me, let me just say, if, if, if I could just get my word out, if, I, if, every, if people just listen to me, right? Like if everyone just listened to what I thought about everything, the world would be all right, all right, all right. Right. Did I scare you with that box? That box was not loaded. I unloaded that over here. Right? See, see what happens is, is we, get, we get set in our way. We compartmentalize what we think. We have our subjects. We file them away. And, and, and rather than thinking about them through the lens of the gospel... Instead of thinking through, man, what is God saying in the text? Who is God? And what is he saying to me? Rather than not, man, I've read this book. I read the headline. I got the cliff notes and I kind of got it together. And I know. And listen, friend, you can tell who knows by who's taking shots. Man, I, I tell you, I... How, how, how many of you ha have a hard time uh, keeping your mouth shut? I talk for a living. <laughs> like, let, let me tell you, like the, the greatest thing happened yesterday. My, my son uh, and his buddies, they, they won their first basketball game yesterday. It was fantastic. <laughs> Man, it was a close one. And guess who's coaching them? It's bad. Guess, guess who the refs like to see the least? He's like, wasn't that Pastor Sam going at the refs earlier today? Like somebody, and like, and then we came, we came home yesterday and, and my wife, and we've been talking to my son about perseverance and, and, and they came back from nine to two and they won by two points and, and they're only eight and nine, but we thought we were at the Super Bowl a week ago. I mean, I mean, we, we thought it was a, a championship game and, and, and we're all getting excited. And then I got in the car afterwards and, and, and I was like, Judah, I'm so proud of you, man. And, and, and my wife was like, I'm really proud of you. And I was like, oh. 
Oh yeah. And it's not for being such an amazing coach, herding all these cats together and, you know, get them to do the five out play. We instituted an offense and they're rebounding, they're shooting. It's not that. She was like, I was so proud of you that when you and the ref got into it, you walked away. And the people were there, they know exactly. Man, I was like, found. He's like, listen, coach, you don't tell me how to ref the game. I don't tell you how to coach. Let me tell you what I wanted to tell him, right? Since I got all your attention here. Right, let me tell you that, that it wasn't in my nature. I want to say, let me, last week, let me, tell you, let me tell you what happened here. I just looked at him with grace in my eyes. <laughs> And I closed my mouth and I walked the other way. <laughs> That's our pastor. Right? And I was at my, my wife, that, and this was the proudest moment of the entire day. Not was her firstborn winning the basketball game, it was that her husband did get in a fight with the referee. Right? She's like, I know you. Everyone in there held their breath, like, what's about to happen? I think we're going to have to move, right? And she's like, I'm so proud. Let me tell you, it's not in my nature. It's not in me. I, I know some of you feel that you're a fighter. Some of you feel like uh, that, that God's given you a gift and he has. But let me tell you, one of the most powerful things that you can do is come under the, the submission of the Lord. Allow him to work. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, abounding in love the way Jesus is. Not thinking, man, I got all the answers and I've read all the books and I got all the stuff and I got it. And let me tell you the first person that I can just take, I'm just gonna let them know. See, so, so often we do that and we can do that with this book. We can do it with passages like this where we go, no, no, no. See, see this is about Israel. And Islam is not. Maybe you've even been conditioned that over your uh, years in the church. Maybe you've had a tendency to see people in categories and nations and which one we think are elevated and elite and which ones are beneath. But see, we don't read the Bible in just particular sections. We look at the whole of the gospel. And see, the story of the Bible leads us to this man, Jesus. And this man, Jesus, walks among everyone. And his plan was to share the gospel to all nations. And he would find himself in conversations like with Samaritans, like those who weren't pure breeds, those who were others, on the other side of the tracks. And they go, why were, why were you talking to that Samaritan? He's like, because I love Samaritans. God, why, why were you talking to those people? Why, why, listen, that's not our team. So quickly we can take sides and we can make categories and we can look at other people and go, no, they're them and this is us. And yet, but the cross of Jesus Christ, the pinnacle of the story is that Jesus comes, one man unites all nations because you know what all nations have in common? Sin. Amen. Do you know all men, white, black, Hispanic, Asian, every color under the sin, you know what all men have in common? Sin. And listen, friends, it, it, it won't be through our works that unite people. It will not be through us giving them their dogma or our dogma and our ideology. It will be us, like Jesus, loving them because we first were loved. See, in the story, what we see is Ishmael or Hagar and Ishmael cast out. The story's going to go on. It doesn't get better. 
I remember I was in a Sunday school class years ago as a youth pastor, and I was teaching the kids on one particular day, and I got, uh, I got the kids' curriculum. It was in, uh, in Elizabethtown, Kentucky. I got the kids' curriculum and the crayon sheets, and I got to teach. I got the object lesson, and it was actually on this particular text. Actually, a couple texts over, the birth of Isaac, where we'll see that, that Ishmael is older and Sarah finds Ishmael kind of snickering and, and making fun and poking fun of Isaac. And so she actually casts them away, a young teenage boy and his mother, all for a joke. And so this object lesson was teaching this passage. You've heard me talk about how oftentimes uh, we've got it wrong over the years where what we've done is we've taken the stories of the Bible. We've made anyone who's our team or anyone in the Bible, the heroes, we've whitewashed away their sins and their shortcomings. And we've told the hero stories of the patriarchs rather than telling the honest stories of human beings wrestling with God. And so I'm in this kid's church deal and they want this object lesson where, where we have one kid get, make fun of another kid at a birthday party and reenact Ishmael making fun of Isaac. But then the game turns and then all the friends at the party start making fun of Ishmael. And you go, no, Ishmael, you get out of here. You have to leave. This was really an object lesson that we were supposed to teach from a curriculum because whoever made that curriculum decided that there were teams and that Isaac was ours and Ishmael was theirs. And all of a sudden we could justify poking fun, making fun of and ostracizing. This was real. I, I went to the pastor and go, man, I can't teach this. I threw it away. I taught Jesus. It was the first time in my pastoral ministry where I realized, no, 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 I'm responsible. Like I can't just take, listen, dad, mom, you're responsible. You don't just take what somebody else gives. You, you don't just take someone else's box and go, hey man, I'm going I'm to feed this. I'm going I'm to take this. You work out your salvation with fear and with trembling. Submit to the Lord. Go, no God, I, I'm going to follow you and you alone. They say, hey, no, 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 let's in accountability. Let me ask about, like, I don't think we should be teaching this. We should really look where we bought this curriculum from. But I got to be honest, what, what kind of happens sometimes is, is this, is oh, over the years, we can have this poor idea of what God choosing someone is like. And what that means. See, some of us are grown up with this idea, and Romans begins to change that idea for us. See, here's what you gotta understand is this is not just one book, it's a library of books. It's 66 books. Genesis is this first book. And for me to understand exactly what's happening here, I gotta then look at some of the other books. I gotta stand in the New Testament and I gotta look back. And here's what maybe you didn't realize is that the angel of the Lord goes to Hagar, loves her. I found it fascinating that I was watching these Islamic scholars say, actually, the only information we have about Hagar comes from the Bible and how God visited her. And she said, Lord, you've seen me, a God who sees my affliction. And how powerful is that? And the angel of the Lord, and many would suggest that the angel of the Lord is actually a Christophany. It is actually Christ appearing in the Old Testament. That the angel of the Lord is God appearing to be a man. And the New Testament, Jesus comes and God becomes a man. He's the son of man. The angel of the Lord, Christ, comes to her and says, I'm going to make you a nation. I'm going to bless you. But he doesn't remove the story. He actually says, here's what's going to happen. Just like he told Abraham that his son Isaac and his offspring will become slaves in Egypt for 400 years. He tells Hagar, Ishmael will be a wild man and he'll fight everyone and everyone will be against him. And yet, I don't know if you realize that God loves Israel. God loves the nation of Islam. 
He sees them and loves them and he longs to save them. Do you know that the the church in Iran has been the fastest growing church in the world for the past nine years? And it's predominantly led by women. Hagar's, who God sees their affliction. They're leading these churches and they love not their lives even unto death. You can watch documentaries on them on YouTube. It's called Sheep Among Wolves. You can see their story. Many of those who are afflicted are gathering together and they're saying, no, we we worship Jesus, the Messiah, the one true God who unites heaven and earth. See, this story causes me to wrestle. Maybe... Maybe I don't get to just choose teams. Maybe I don't wear the banner of this country and the banner of that country. And maybe I don't, I, I don't have blind patriotism, but I wear one banner and it's the banner of King Jesus. No king, but King Jesus. Because he's better than anyone else. He's better than any other leader. His ways are higher See what Romans begins to tell me. It says in Romans 8, it says, So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For we live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live according to the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body and you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into bondage, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father, which means Daddy, God. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs of Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. See, the book of Romans is written to Jews and Gentiles. The book of Romans is written to those who consider themselves children of Israel children of Abraham and those that everyone else would consider not children of Abraham, Gentiles, you and I, Ishmael and his offspring. The whole book of Romans is written to everyone. And here's the controversy. He tells Jews and Gentiles, you're adopted. Let me tell you, that's a controversial statement. Because if you were in an upbringing where you, you may ask the question, who's God's chosen people? And some might say Israel. Let me ask you a question. How many sons does God have? Remember that? That famous passage that Tim Tebow wrote, you remember that? For God so loved the world that he gave his only. His only son. See, Jesus is the fulfillment of this conversation he started with Abraham. Jesus is the familiar. Jesus is the true Israel. Jesus is the one who lives up to the standard. He holds the government on his shoulders. He is the one who fulfills all of the promises of God to his people. He's the one who held the covenant. He's the one who comes and stands in our place. There is one son, and that means everyone else is adopted. Everyone. That's a controversial statement. Let me give you an example of what this would be like. To tell this, let me tell you that, that Paul says when he's writing to the Jewish people in Romans, he says, this is going to be a scandal to you. This is going to be hard for you to hear. And in Romans 9, he's going to say, listen, 
You were cool with my sovereign choice when, I, when you felt like I picked you. But when I pick and love others who you would not pick and would not love, it's like this, there, there's, some, there's this culture, they, they do these things, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, it's called a, a quinceanera. You try to say it, all right? <laughs> Have you seen this? It's amazing. What happens if like a, a young girl uh, in, in uh, coming of age, they, they throw, the, how many have been a part of one of these, right? Just out yourself, right? And, 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 and you, ha you have a quinceanera and, and there's gonna be a dress and, and, and they're gonna bring her out and they're gonna, put a, they're gonna put a crown on her head and they're gonna throw a party and they're gonna say, you're my daughter, you're my child, I love you. Now picture this. Imagine that right before the crown, right before the dance and the party, right before we cut the cake, the dad goes, hey, I got an idea. It's like, yeah, dad? Uh, yeah, I got an idea. What if before we did this, what if we went and got the neighbor's kids and we threw a quinceanera for them too? Dad, the neighbor's kids? That's what you want to do? What do you mean the neighbor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Let's go, let's go get the neighbor's. Let's go get them. Man, I saw them there. I, I, I saw that they were fatherless. I thought that I, I saw that they were alone. Won't you go get the neighbor's kids and tell them to come to the party and let's throw a party for them. Let's give them a dress. Let's give them a crown. Let's give them a cake. You'd be like, dad, the neighbor's kids, the neighbor's kids have been kicking the crap out of us for years. What do you mean we're going to go get the neighbor's kids? I'm not getting the neighbor's kid. This is for me. Go, no, no, no. No, I saw them and I, I love them and I want to choose them and I, I want them to come here and I want to, I want to give them a robe and I want to put a ring on their finger and I want to love them the way that I love Jesus. See, the story of Romans is this, that God has one son Jesus came and stood in our place. He paid our debt so that we could be absolved from our sin, so that we could stand righteous because of him and that we become heirs and joint heirs with Christ so that Christ is our chief cornerstone. He's the foundation for what we build this entire family on. And God chooses to love you the way he loves Jesus. And why is that controversial? Because he loves people you never would. Jesus loves better than you do. He picks better than you. You can't pick them. They're too far gone. They're not on our team. He goes, watch what will happen when we love them. It'll change them. See, friends, it's been good news from the start, Jesus goes to Hagar, says, I love you and I'm gonna care for you. And I have a plan to unite you once again so that we're all one big family. I have a plan, I have a plan. And this plan was to unite heaven and earth at the foot of the cross that he could bring all nations together under himself. That we can look at the diversity around us and say, we're one family. It's not us and them, it's you and me. It's together. Man, empty your box, friend. Can I just tell you, the Bible says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is the announcement that our Father has thrown a party and He's paid the price of admission. He's put blood on the doorposts and He said, Come on in. It's paid in full. That's the announcement. But here's what will happen is if your box is full, 
If you already have your mind made up of who's in and who's out and who God chooses and who loves, you will miss the kingdom of God. The Bible says repent. Repentance means to change the way you think so that you do something different. Or in other words, empty your box. Repent. Lay it out. Stop thinking you have arrived. Stop thinking you are judge and jury. Stop thinking and begin to trust him as he begins to love and move and shift and write a bigger story than you. This is the gospel. You're invited. He won't force you to come. But he loves you enough to keep an open invitation. Don't let time run out. Don't live a life that throws caution to the wind and says, I'll live for myself. You'll end up with a life by yourself. But when you live for Christ, you'll end up with a big family. Look around. You'll end up realizing that you have brothers and sisters from dis- different sisters and misters. <laughs> One big family. Will you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for every person under the sound of my voice. Many of you have decided who's in and who's out already, or maybe they thought they were out. They were too far gone. But Jesus, you paid the price. Forgive me of my sin. My debt is paid in full. And I can hold my head up and come into your family without shame or guilt because we all stand adopted And the price of that adoption was in your blood. And now we're made heirs and joint heirs with Christ, seated in heavenly places. So let us repent to change the way we think. Stop looking at who's right and who's wrong and looking at the God who is righteous above all things. Help us not to point our finger at the world but to start with our own house and say, love will lead my home. Love will lead my family, my community. Let us bind together all people from all nations under the sun, united as one family under the banner of King Jesus. And we thank you and we praise you. We ask that everything we say and everything we do Bring glory to God and good to this valley. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Will you give Jesus one more hand clap of praise?